Josh here with the IDP show. Now, look, if you know anything about our show, you know we're three mid-30s dads rolling into the So Shack every week at about 9 p.m. to record a fantasy football podcast. We've got kids, we've got jobs, so we are worn out when it comes time to record, which is why I'm excited to share about our newest sponsor. It is Liquid IV, which is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. Y'all, in just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use this first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out. So what do we love about Liquid IV? Convenient packaging, you just rip the top off and pour it into your water, shake it up and you're ready to go. Comes in a bunch of amazing flavors. I love strawberry lemonade and watermelon are my two favorite. And one stick of liquid IV and 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. 12 delicious flavors. I mentioned a couple. They're refreshing. They're going to keep your hydration routine exciting so it's not the same old flavor time and time again. It contains five essential vitamins, y'all. Listen to these B vitamins, B3, 5, 6, 12, and vitamin C. It's got three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks made with premium ingredients. It's non-GMO, free from gluten, dairy, and soy. Liquid IV, they believe that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. So they partner with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated, listen to this y'all, over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. So we are very excited to partner with them. And if you want to try it out, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use our code IDP show at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using promo code IDP show at liquidiv.com. Check it out and tell them the IDP show sent you. This is the IDP After Show. Hey, and welcome back to the IDP After Show Rankings episode. I'm your host, Jace Abbey, and I'm here to bring you the highlights of my week nine rankings. We'll be talking about players we like, players we don't, offering some deep dives and a list of quick hitters at each position. Uh, I'm pleased to say that joining me today is one of the classiest IDP analysts you'll ever meet, Dynasty Trip, IDP and Dynasty writer and ranker at Football Guys. Trip, pleasure to have you with me. How are things? Good, good. I appreciate you having me on, Jace. I'm excited to talk some football with you and dig into some ranks. And things are great. And I'm glad to, glad to, always glad to get hop on with anything associated with, with the IDP guys. In, in Bowling Green, Kentucky. It's great. So looking forward to talking about football with you. For sure, for sure. Uh, excited to see the big trades go down this week on the uh, defensive side of the ball. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I always get excited about that, man. I, I'll be writing an article about that for sure this week. How the how the fits, and more interestingly, like the back, you know, the, the vacuum that they leave behind and who, who backfills that. I, 
I find that really fun to break down. So that'll be my piece on reading the defense. It drops every Friday at footballguys.com. How about you? What was most interesting to you about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm a lover of defense, so I'm kind of, I, I can't wait to see that 49ers defense in action with uh, with Chase Chase Young in the fold. Um, I'm kind of pretty excited to see how it all how it all comes together. It's just a shame we got to wait a week to see it happen because they're going to buy. Just buy weeks, probably. Good buy weeks. Um, but hey, look, there's there's uh, there's plenty of there's plenty of stuff to get excited about this week. So let's uh, let's kick things off by talking about the linebackers that we like. Um, which linebacker are you high on for week nine? Well, I'm gonna. I don't, I'm not a big fan of soft takes. So I'm gonna jump in here. I'm one of the bigger busts of the of the 2023 football season Friday piece, and that's Devin White from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, he's he's just really not delivered on the LB one price that I'm sure the most drafters took him out. But I like his matchup this weekend with the Texans. Uh, they're they're a team that managed to propel Frankie Lubu to his first really big blow up week last week with uh, with uh, double digit tackles and sack. I think that White could get, could get back. To, there's a lot of talk about whether or not he's mailing in or something because he's in, because he's on an expiring contract. He's got about eight games left to prove that he should be a starter in the NFL. Well, I look at him. He's got to bring it. He's got to get some things done. He's he still is getting opportunities to trust the passer. I do you think that the interior line of the Texans is still is um, can be exposed uh, through uh, double leg blitzing that the Bucks like to do? And uh, this is a, a team, a young quarterback, and a lot's been made about the fact that he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, but that's because he plays conservatively. He'll put, he'll throw short passes, provide opportunities for White to make tackles in the flat, and they'll, of course, want to uh, try to control the game if they can with, with running the ball. And, and Damian Pierce, uh, so he had a couple of kind of teams with warts and probably evenly matched in some senses. And so I think there's a good opportunity for tackle production in this game. How about you? Yeah, I, I like the Devin White call. Um, like you say, it's just been a. I, I really struggle to know where to rank him sometimes because he's one of those guys plays every down. Like you say, the the pass rush opportunities is still there, but um, you know the sack production. We we knew we probably couldn't rely on it. Sort of week in week out, just hasn't been there this year, and that's really hers because a lot of people drafted him really highly, right? So, yeah. Uh, for me, uh, my featured linebacker uh, for week nine is uh, Jordan Brooks. I He's my LB13, uh, one behind Terrell Bernard and one ahead of Jordan Hicks. I've, I've kind of been waiting on Brooks to to assume that larger role uh, in uh, Clint Hurt's defense for, well, for all season. Um, you know, that the speed with which he recovered from that torn ACL seemed almost too good to be true. And if you remember, he was initially supposed to be missing a good chunk of uh, of the year. Um, considering he suffered that injury on only only suffered that injury on New Year's Day, so when the when the reports came out that he joined the team at the, the beginning of training camp, I was I was kind of surprised. I don't know about you. Um, oh yeah, well, you know he hasn't had that every down role um, that we saw him in last year. Um, Wagner's being the only full time guy uh, in Seattle, uh, and Brooks <laughs> started out playing only what sixty four percent of the snaps, uh, and Devin Bush was even Devin Bush was. <laughs> was involved in the rotation <laughs> at the beginning of the year there. So, um, But last week against the Browns, Brooks was on the field for 95% of the defensive plays. And he had one of his best games of the year, popping off uh, double-digit tackles, a sack, a QB hit, and a, and a forced fumble. And speaking of sacks, he's been, he's been on a tear in that sense. He's had five in his last five games. 
which is pretty incredible for a guy who only ever had two in his first three years in the league. We know that's unsustainable. He's, he's blitzing fewer than four times a game on average. Um, to put that into context, 44 other linebackers have had more pass rush opportunities. Um, but it's the it's the opportunity for increased tackle production tied to that increased snap share that has me kind of excited for Brooks now that he's in that larger role. With the Seahawks leading the, the league in, uh, in zone rate, that's just a good thing for linebackers. Coupled with the fact that he's playing the Ravens this week, who allow the highest tackle efficiency to opposition linebackers, something we know about thanks to uh, to Mr. Macri's wonderful charts on on Twitter. I just think there's a lot to like about Brooks for week night. You know, I, I, interesting, and it's like you said, he played that 95% snap share this past week there, which is uh, set his biggest just raw snap number for the season by a mile at, the, at 74 yeah. snaps. He hadn't even played but 63 so far coming in this game. What I what I'm interested to see as is they get all their these pieces together with that meaning Jamal Adams and Julian Love and um they Kobe Bryant kick up coming back and, and healthy. He was he was banged up earlier in the year that uh, I think he's still banged up the nickel if they can get him back. I'm interested to see how it all fits together and just have a, a lot of depth. And this is something I worried about early in the season too, early in the preseason is that this the contemplating this defense is is how do they get all these guys enough snaps? And so I'm wondering if the 95% is is a beginning of a permanent situation where they're going to play two linebackers all the time, or if that was just a game plan against uh, a Cleveland team that they didn't fear at all over the middle with B.J. Walker, quarterback. So I think that's really the thing to watch for me. I'm interested to see if, you know, if, if you know, if like the presence of, of Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson compels them to put smaller, faster players on the field this year. This, I'm, I'm really interested to see. I think it's an interesting date for sure. For sure, yeah, that's a good point, and um, yeah, definitely something to, to monitor going into into this week. Um, so, Trip, who are your quick hitters at linebackers? Guys, you're not necessarily championing as as such, but but guys, you kind of like the look of for week nine. A couple other guys that, that I, I like that uh, that pick up where they left off are Frankie Lubu and Demario Davis. Neither of those guys have had super high sustainable tackle ceilings week in and week out. And Demario Davis hasn't since he was a Jet, practically. But uh, that being yeah. said, I, I, I like their matchups this week. Uh, Demario Davis is, is playing the Bears, and uh, I thought I think that the the Chargers showed an interesting defensive scheme to to slow the Bears down, and they have the young quarterback Tyler Bajan is going to play again, and he like he's he wants to attack the middle of the field, and he doesn't want to try to challenge the, the boundaries. And so that being said, Demario Davis is the coverage backer in Saints scheme, and I think he's got a good opportunity to uh, to. Pick up where the Chargers linebackers left off last week. The two there, Murray and Kendricks, combined for 19 tackles and two passes defensed. And so that's right and in, in, in key with what, what the Davis can do. And Davis gets those blitz opportunities too. And the Bears are a team that'll, that'll struggle to protect the quarterback at times. And a young quarterback, you can imagine him uh, losing pocket awareness in a blitz and, and going down. So I like Davis in particular. Uh, Luvu. Uh, it'd be a good chance to to continue. I think he's got the Colts this week, and the Colts just uh, they're going to want to run the ball. Of course, they've got a quarterback that also doesn't challenge the boundaries very effectively. So, I like both of those guys to you know if, if folks have gotten frustrated with their with their floors, I think they're looking at ceiling weeks this week. Yeah, I uh, Lubu's on my list of quick hitters as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think he's got a big chance to follow up his his big week last week against that 
that uh, linebacker-friendly Colts team this week. Um, I've also got, um, unsurprisingly, Brooks' teammate, Bobby Wagner, uh, who, of course, also plays the the Ravens. Uh, Ernest Jones has got a pretty nice matchup against the Packers, and we saw him uh, slightly healthier last week, assuming that bigger role again. And uh, Levante David, who faces the the Texans, a team that allowed a, a big week to, to Luvu last week. Um, Robert Spillane as well. You know, he'll be doing his best to replicate the kind of numbers we saw uh, Quincy Williams and CJ Mosley uh, manage against the Giants last week. And Jordan Hicks, the last guy on my list, uh, he could have a good week against the Falcons team who have allowed uh, top five tackle efficiency numbers to opposition linebackers. So that's my quick list of guys that I like. So let's move on to the guys we don't like. Um, who uh, are you fading this week at the position? Well, the first guy I'm looking at are it's uh, really the two guys are the two Falcons linebackers, Caden uh, Ellis and and Nate Landman, and really that has to do with with the uncertainty at the quarterback across across from them. They play the Vikings, who just lost Kirk Cousins to an Achilles injury, and. They've got, they just traded for Joshua Dobbs and they have a rookie in Jaron Hall. And what I worry about is, is will the Vikings be able to possess the football? Will they, will they even run 50 plays with their current quarterback situation? And so as a result, I just worry the Falcon fours are just too low for both Ellis and Landman. Ellis, because he's more likely to be the coverage backer of the, of the two, and Landman, because he plays that reduced snap share as the, the proverbial two down guy. So those are, those are both guys that, this that I just I just got to see it just because the uncertainty of Minnesota. Yeah, I, I I like the call. I like it for for the reasons you mentioned, and because um, you know Lamman's been been good in spots, but I kind of overrated. I think him last week, um, forgetting that he uh, you know he wasn't playing anything more than about eighty percent of the of the snaps, and while he might have big weeks here and there, um, whilst playing that that number that will add up over the course of this season. Uh, we need to bear that in mind. So, yeah, good call. Good call. The the guy or guys I want to feature, and I have cheated a little bit here. I'm mentioning a a trio, um, and it's it's all the Texans linebackers not named Blake Cashman. Um, so Henry Tuotuo, Christian Harris, and Denzel Perryman. I don't have any of those three guys ranked in my top 50 this week. Cashman led the group with a 91% snap share against the Panthers last week. None of the other guys played even half the defensive snaps on offer. We know Perriman kind of saved the day for, for fantasy managers with a pretty you know efficient outing, five tackles and a, and a sack, but he won't be able to sustain that kind of production unless his involvement increases, right? So if last week was, was any indication of what's to come, then it appears we've lost, potentially lost a starting fantasy linebacker as Perriman and 2020 may continue to eat into each other's playing time and Harris may emerge from the uh, from the from the depths to to make the situation even worse. And ultimately we know that's going to affect production. I'm not ruling out the possibility that that someone emerges from the pile to to earn a large enough role to to make them viable uh, in IDP once again. Injuries do occur, teams change their mind about what they want to do. But for now, I don't trust where this is heading, and I want no part of starting any other te- Texans linebacker other than Cashman for the foreseeable. Yeah, I, I, yeah, this one thing I wonder about Perryman is that you know they they sat him, they practiced in full a couple weeks ago. They sat him because of the club he had on his hand, and 
I, I didn't see the game. Is he still wearing that club? Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. Okay. But what concerns me with him, though, is that he's there's only been a couple of games where he's played 100%. I know he's he's dealt with injuries. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just a it's just a messy situation. Um, and until something concrete, until I see something concrete, I'm happy to fade them for other guys who may even play fewer snaps this week. I don't like projecting guys to come from nowhere to play 100%. I'd rather play the guys playing easy. The, the Nate Lammans of the world. He's uh, he's more... You know, there's something safer about going with a guy like that than, than, than playing that lucky dip with someone like a Perriman, I think. Yeah, interesting. Um, so who are your quick hitters at linebacker who you don't like? Well, a couple more guys that really are affected by the same situation I just mentioned with Atlanta. All right, all the Browns linebackers. First of all, it's it's hot nest rotation with four guys now because Tony Fields got some time uh, playing last week against the Seahawks. Uh, the Colts or the Colts, the Browns are playing the the Cardinals this week, and they too are in our quarterback uh, uncertainty. So maybe Kyler Murray comes back, and maybe they're fine. But even even if that's the case, uh, we haven't seen Murray in a while. We haven't seen him in this offense at all. It's a new offense, and so I just would not be comfortable rolling out any of these linebackers for the Browns. It seems to me that one or more of them has to be inactive in order for any other of the ones to, that remain to be an interesting start for me. Uh, the last one I've got is Micah McFadden. Uh, that's a guy that I think folk, folks started to get excited about a couple weeks ago. He's seen declining snap shares in two weeks straight. And uh, the the Giants see the Raiders this week. And the Raiders are another team that's uh, in quarterback uncertainty. It looks like they want to have some certainty. They're changing quarterbacks. It looks like they want to start the rookie, Aiden O'Connell. Uh, that was not an auspicious outing in his first go. And the offense really seems to have lost its way. I just They were just simply unable to possess the football against the Lions last week. And the Lions gave them lots of chances to get back in the game. They just were unable to do it. And so looking at O'Connell out there, I just don't have a lot of confidence that they can generate enough opportunities for a uh, part-time linebacker like Michael McFadden to be a useful asset this week. Yeah, I uh, totally with you on the Browns call. Um, <laughs> I'm, one of, I'm one of those people who was desperate for, for an LB4 last week. And I went out and got Walker after he uh, he played a surprisingly high um, role the week before, and I got my fingers burned. I should have known better. It's been a it's been a really unsettled situation all all year. Um, so yeah, like the call. Um, so look, let's talk um, let's talk defensive linemen. Um, who is the player you want to start us off with here? Guys, we like on the defensive line. Ed Oliver of the, of the uh, Buffalo Bills starting off, and he's going against the. Cincinnati Bengals this week and Joe Burrow and uh, the Bengals seem to be finding their way on offense after a really slow start but I still see some weakness in the interior and the ability to flush Burrow out the pocket and so Ed Oliver has finally started to, sh- to be emerging to the player that folks hoped he would be when he was drafted ninth overall four or five but four one of those four or five years ago and uh, Eric Armstead had a couple sacks interior with first his first first multi-sack game in eternity playing against the the Bengals last week so I think that Oliver is an interesting play, especially in those DT required leagues. Uh, that you, I think was, well, we do expect the the Bengals to run as well, so they'll have some tackle opportunities. Even though he's not the highest collector of tackles, I, I do think he's a an interesting play, an opportunity there. Yeah, I like that. I've got uh, Oliver as my DT five this week. Um, nice. 
Yeah, there's 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 only Chris Jones, Dexter Lawrence, Jeffrey Simmons, and Aaron Donald ahead of him on my list. So clearly we're in uh, we're in lockstep on that one. Um, so uh, for me, uh, the featured guy for me on the uh, defensive lineup. Each week I try not to choose the the most obvious guys, the the sort of undroppable types that that everyone knows they're not going to move out of their lineups. For, and so this week, you know, Max Crosby, Daniil Hunter, TJ Watt, these guys all have. Really nice matchups this week, by the way. But I'm not going to mention. I want to. I want to talk about a guy who who people might be a little unsure about. And this guy's stock is is definitely down if you believe what you read on Twitter. And it's Joey Bosa, my uh, my edge seven or DL eight this week. One behind Aaron Donald and one ahead of Rashawn Gary. We all know that the knock on Bosa has been his his health or lack of it over the years. Um, he's often playing sort of hampered by. An injury, and that accounts for why he's not had more than uh, a sixty percent snap share so far this year since the season opener. But he's he's been getting healthy again, and his snap share is yeah, snap share sorry is starting to climb. And this week he faces uh, what I really like is that he's facing a Jets team that is dealing with a lot of injuries on that offensive line. They're missing uh, Dwayne Brown, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, Connor McGovern, and Joe Tipman. And that same line has been a turnstile for opposing pass rushers recently. Uh, 13 sacks they've allowed in the last three weeks. Um, and we all saw what uh, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau and Dexter Lawrence did to them last week, helping the, the Giants amass 31 pressures in a single game. I think I think Bosa's set up to have a, a productive week here. And if he doesn't, then it's 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 on him, not me. <laughs> well, I guess I'll be a long-time apologist for Joey Bosa. I'm on board with that call as well. He, he got a sack last week against the Bears. That's yep. right. His bookend, Khalil Mack, did absolutely just next to nothing against his old team, which is that must have been a, in, a, in a particular format where I have to start a different edge every single week, I'd say. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on both sides. The Jets are just such a soft matchup. It's, you you got to fire those guys up as, as DL2, DL3 types if you can. So let's talk quick hitters on that defensive line. Who Who do you like this week? So we've got, a, we've got a couple of deep ones on that. You know, usually, as you mentioned, there's no point in putting out the soft, the, the easy ones like Kayvon Thibodeau. Obviously, you start him, and he's got a, a juicy matchup against the against the Raiders. But his bookend, the Jihad Ward, played over 80% of the snaps last week. And a couple weeks ago when I was on the pod with uh, Evan Ronda, I, the, I proclaimed Jihad Ward to be the worst pass rusher, his worst starting pass rusher continuously employed for the last three years. And that's probably still true. But if you're on the field against the Raiders for 80% of the snaps, you're bound to clean up one of Kayvon Dibodeau's messes. So that's a, that's a deep one that interests me. Another another place to go for deep dive is be Keon White in New England. I felt like he's had a couple of moments. He hasn't been consistently good this year, but he he was banged up there for a couple weeks ago. He got back last week and played about 80% snap share. He and Anthony Jennings are the only healthy edge rushers that the Patriots have, and, and they have a pretty nice uh, matchup this week. And so I like Keon White, and Jennings has been in the league for three or four years now, and it's just he's been playing eighty percent of the staffs week in, week out, and just not doing anything. And so I think if you're if you're going to take a shot at this matchup and try to and try to get a patron in there, they're playing the commanders. Sam Mollow just loves to eat the ball fairly, he gets hungry out there. And so um I, I I would be excited to take a, a if I had to. And the other thing that's interesting about White is that he has defensive tackle eligibility in some formats. And so that makes him a pretty attractive match um it's play where you, you need that uh, particular um, designation in, a, in the five position leagues 
Yeah, well, that's why I got is David Onyemata. I'm not sure why I'm so focused on defensive tackles this week. I just I like the odd mollies, but that's good. Onyemata is probably the um, the uh, the best pass rusher the Falcons have. Uh, Grady Jarrett's on IR. They they're going to get, I know I just going to play a big chunk of snaps, and they're going to need him to step up against the Vikings. And like we talked about earlier, if the Vikings are having quarterback uncertainty, that seems like a good opportunity to strike. Yeah, and if the Vikings are strong on their offensive line, it's the the uh, offensive tackle position, not on the interior. Um, so that could be that could be a good call. The Keon White one I like as well, especially while uh, Uche is out. I was surprised to see him play uh, 81% of the snaps last week. So, um, but yeah, like you say, they've they've got little else. So um, yeah, good a good week to to start him if you're uh, if you if you're in need of maybe like an edge three, an edge an edge four, that sort of territory. Yeah, my, my quick hit is this week uh, on the defensive line. Guys, I like uh, it starts with Alex uh, Highsmith. I like his chances of doing well against the uh, the Titans. Um, you know, their offensive line performed better against uh, the Ravens and the Colts in, in recent weeks. But the combo of, uh, of TJ Watt and, and Highsmith is a very, a very different proposition to anything the, uh, the Ravens and the Colts have. Um, next one, this one's kind of deep. It's by no means a slam dunk, but, but Christian Barmore is another guy I like this weekend. He's been a bit, in fact, he's been completely hit or miss, um, but he couldn't hope for a, a better matchup against the commanders this weekend of uh, who have allowed the, the most sacks in the league. Um, and then finally, Boye Mafe. He deserves a mention, I think. He's he stepped into a larger role since uh, Uchenna and Wosu went down, uh, and Mafe's been the, the Seahawks' best edge rusher uh, since. And that Ravens offensive line is no it's no pushover, but they, they allowed a a really lackluster Cardinals uh, pass rush unit. 18 pressures last weekend and then gave up 17 to the to the Lions the week before. And it kind of surprised me to find that Lamar Jackson was... Uh, he's tied for eighth in the NFL uh, with, with 20 sacks so far this year. So, yeah, I kind of like Boye Mafe and I like where he's trending in terms of, you know, how he's, how he's just purely on based on how he's playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like him too. He seems to be growing. Yeah. Um, so let's um, let's move on to the defensive lineman we we don't like. Who who don't you like here, Trip? I'm going again with a duo, and that's the Miami Dolphins duo of Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb. Uh, Bradley Chubb started the season slowly, but has come on lately with a couple of big games. People might be starting to get comfortable with using him. Both Phillips and Chubb tend to be pretty healthy in the tackle column too, which makes people feel comfortable. With the the Dolphins have Chiefs this year. Uh, this week. Um, I think that game was in Germany uh, at 9.30 in the morning, so folks need to be mindful of that as they set their lineups. Uh, but um, those are two guys that I'd just be avoiding. But Patrick Mahomes is not taking sacks. Hopefully he won't be sick this week like he was in the last game, which seemed to really hold them back against the Broncos. Uh, but uh, I think that Ch- Chubbs and, and both Chubb and Phillips are just too reliant and, and any pass rusher would be to an extent on their coverage. And the coverage has just been weak. They've got to get everybody back and healthy before you can really feel confident of using these guys week in and week out. So these guys are still uh, matchup-based plays to me, and both both need to be sat this week. Yeah, I, I'm actually I'm not a big uh, fan of uh, of Chubb. Um, I never really have been, but Phillips, I am a big fan of. Um, but I will concede he's you know maybe due to injuries, not not really being himself at times this year. Um, but yeah, I am a big fan. But I will again agree with you on the fact that the Chiefs is not a not a great matchup for for any opposition edge rushers, just purely because of of Mahomes uh, and his ability to to evade pressure. Obviously, the the Broncos brought quite a lot of pressure last week, especially um, 
uh, Benito. Um, and Browning looked good again in his second game. But like you say, um, you got to you got to hope, you got to think that Mahomes is going to be a little healthier this week. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe things return to normal, and, and Phillips and Chubb uh, aren't good players this week. So my guy here is uh, is Mike Danner, uh, edge twenty eight, uh, or DL thirty nine, one behind one behind Jonathan Allen, and one ahead of Sam Hubbard. And this might surprise some, considering Dan has been been pretty productive. He's produced six sacks in eight games, already a career high in that category. But there, there's three reasons I don't like him this week. First and foremost, I think he's been a bit fortunate to have those six sacks, considering he's only produced 22 pressures. His uh, his 8.4 percent pressure rate ranks 62nd out of 77 edge rushers who have had at least 100 pass rush snaps. Second concern is the return of Charles Amenahu. Um Dallas snap share has, has dropped from a season high 90%. The week before Amenahu returned to 73% in week 7, 68% in week 8. Those aren't horrible numbers, um, but for a guy who's relied so heavily on huge volume to produce as he has, it does hurt his stock. So that's my second point. Third point, similar to yours with, with Jalen Phillips, it's a matchup. He's playing the Dolphins this week. Two has been sacked only 11 times in eight games. I feel like if someone, if anyone on the Chiefs is going to produce a sack this weekend, it's going to be someone like Carl Aftis, maybe Chris Jones, not Dana. Well, speaking of the quick hitters, I had Carl Aftis as my, one of my quick hitters. I think it's kind of some of the same methodology as, as you on the on the matchup. There was a Carl Aftis sighting here, I think, last week. I think he had a couple of sacks. Um, but um, I, I think... Chiefs' entire strategy this week has got to be focused on on mush rush and contain, and and I think they'll be relying on trying to limit chuck plays and 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 disrupt the motions that the that the Dolphins like to run. Obviously, can disrupt pre snap motion very well. Post snap motions are are just as daunting with the speed that Miami's able to put on the field, and you know they won't want to do things like get their pass rushers upfield and be caught out of position. And so, I think that uh, sacks will come on them. The Chiefs' defense may still be effective. They, they may still be able to find ways to lock down the Dolphins, but. It won't be because they're sacking two or four or five times. So those, the that's uh, that's I'm with you. You got to I think you got to sit your Chiefs pass rushes this week if you can. Uh, a couple other DLs that I don't like: uh, Trey Henderson, Hendrickson got nicked up by, in the last game. I don't like his matchup this weekend against Josh Allen and Bills. Allen doesn't take a lot of sacks. Hendrickson isn't a big tackler anyway. Um, he's been better this year than in years past. But I think he's a great pass rusher. But just nicked up and against the Bills, I don't want any piece of that. Now, last one I got is Jonathan Greenard or Bernard. Not sure how to pronounce it. One of those, whoever he is, he's had a couple of huge outbursts with the Texans playing opposite Will Anderson, and that entire defense has has been a lot better this year under the coordination of the new head coach there, D'Amico Ryan's, uh, who came over from San Francisco. I, I think that Will Anderson is probably still a better player, uh, and but Bernard, I just in the matchup that he's got this week, I'm just I'm not excited to get him out there. I. I it's a, he's nice to have if you have him in the best ball. Uh, I, I can't, I, well, I, I'm not sure if I'll ever get comfortable enough to start him in, in two leagues of temporal depth this year. And maybe I was after he'd crow at the end of the season, the ratings go on. That, those are my sets. Interestingly, I've mentioned his teammate, Will, Will Anderson. He's a bit of a red flag for me this week. Um, obviously, he'll be playing more on the uh, the other the other edge. So we'll go up against sort of Luke Gadecki, um, who didn't have his best week last week, it has to be said, allowed something like five pressures. But he's he's one of the the better pass blocking uh, offensive tackles this year. And again, you know, Baker Mayfield has only been sacked 
11 times. So, yeah, don't like the look of Will Anderson this week or Greenard for the same reasons you mentioned. I also want to mention um, Arnold Ebiketti. Um, I know he's kind of come alive in the last three games, three sacks over that over that span, but unfortunately for him, again, matchup, the, the Vikings, those those uh, offensive tackles, Darisaw and Brian O'Neill, are, I think, underrated. Um, they've, they've managed to shut down a few pretty good edge rushers at times this year. Um, better players than Ebiketti, certainly. Um, but I will say, you know, going back to what we mentioned earlier on, that, that QB change could could change things. It did give me pause for thought in mentioning Hebiketti, actually, because you can't imagine a situation where where Hall just doesn't have that pocket presence of of someone like uh, Kirk Cousins, and he may struggle back there in his first start. And the last guy I want to mention is uh, Quitty Pay, and I, he's been one of the, the biggest disappointments for me so far this year. Uh, his matchup isn't terrible against the Panthers, but I really hope to see so much more from him by this point in the season. My confidence in him is is just really shook. Don't know how you feel about pay trip. Yeah, it's, he's got off to a pretty good start this season. He hasn't been able to sustain it at all. Uh, I, I I really impressed with him as a run defender. He's just such a brute out there. But uh, this opportunity to start there with, and Gus uh, Bradley's defense is a defense that they, they want you to get a field. And Ebukam has just proved to be the better fit so far this year in that defense. And so, yeah, I'd I'm not. I'm not excited about Pay either. It's a guy that would need to be a strong matchup for me to consider starting him. Got it. Um, so look, I mean, okay, last but but definitely not least, um, let's talk about a position group. I know you feel passionately about Trip, uh, the the defensive backs. Um, so DBs, we like. Who are you keen on here? Well, I hope you have another forty-five minutes left. Talk about DBs for a while. Kidding. I did. I I will go back with a guy with them. Uh, Go with a guy that I uh, wrote about last, last week at Football Guys, and a guy that I just can't quite give up on, and maybe because it's the type of defensive back that he is. But that's Jamal Adams of the, uh, the Seattle Seahawks. He played 100% of the snaps two weeks ago, didn't quite play that last week. Uh, we talked a little minute ago about um, how we thought, you know, they break it down, but we had concerns about how snaps would break down uh, with all the bodies that the Seahawks have, especially with all the healthy defense coming back healthy now, defensive backs. Uh, but I just I like I like Adams a lot. He's a guy that's uh, he's not going to play deep. He's a guy that um, that's um, closer playing closer line that's going to scrimmage either slot or box. He's still going to have opportunities to rush the passer. Uh, they seem to have a plan last year to out of deploy him, and it's the same defensive coordinator this year. Uh, it's, it seems like everything they get out of Jamal Adams is really a bonus. But uh, so far, he's played two healthy snap shares and come out healthy, which is obviously the big the key for, for Jamal Adams. But, uh, you know, I watched a little bit of tape on him last week and I, his movement looked good. He looks smooth out there. His field awareness continues to be good. Uh, I don't know if he started off his career as a really good player, but I do think that he grew and developed over time. And I, and I do still think that there's a good player there. And so playing the, the Ravens, I think that's a good matchup for tackle production. You got Mark Adams, Mark Andrews, tight end and, a team that is attacking the middle of the field and will provide tackle opportunities to both linebackers and safeties. Uh, so that, that's that's uh, my start of the week for defensive backs. Yeah, it's interesting because I had two two names penciled in here. Um, and I couldn't decide between the two, and the the only deciding factor was that that slightly reduced snap share that you mentioned at the top there. Um, you know, 80, 85% doesn't scare me. Um, he's, a, he's a guy who I think can remain productive despite playing you know 15 percent fewer than some of these other guys and i 
I've I've warmed to Adams this year. I, I like how he I like how he started in that one game where he played about nine snaps before he uh, oh, suffered the concussion. Yeah. And yep. like you say, since he's come back, he's had three three uh three healthy snap shares of eighty percent plus. Um so yeah, I almost mentioned him here, but I pivoted to this guy. So my guy this week is Jordan Poyer. He's my my safety and DB fifteen, one behind Jalen Petre and one ahead of Jason Pinnock. Um I just really like what we're seeing from from Poya lately. Josh and the guys talked about him on the uh, the week eight recap. Um, we know he'll never lead safeties in tackle volume, um, and in that sense, his weekly floor is a little lower than than some of these other guys, like the the Cam Bynums, the Cam Curls, Julian Blackmans of the world. Um, but Poya has been doing his best impression of those guys in the last few weeks: eighteen tackles, uh, eighteen combined tackles over that period. And what Poyer offers that some of his peers, um, certainly Curl, doesn't is is big play production. Now that usually means for him, splash plays in this sort of pass defense. So we're talking interceptions and pass breakups. But obviously those interceptions have been pretty absent this year. But he did break up two passes against the Bucks last week, and he had a sack and a forced fumble against the Patriots the week before. What I like about him though, as well, is that the uh, the Bills are playing the Bengals, and we know. That's a good matchup for opposition, opposition safeties. Last week, uh, when facing the 49ers, Talanoa Hufanga tied his season high in tackles with 10, and it should have been more were it not for the uh, the missed tackles. Uh, and even Tashan Gibson had uh, had seven, uh, his best of the season so far. I think Poya has a really good shot at following in those guys' footsteps and having a good game himself. Nice. Yeah, I'm looking at footballguys.com scoring, and he's 11th over the last uh, four weeks in scoring. So definitely a player who's on the upswing, who I tabbed as our preseason, was, was having good potential to rebound and was a bit disappointed for the first few weeks. But uh, it's, a, it's a good call. I hadn't really thought too much about him since then. So I like that. Yeah, he's one of those guys that does just seem to kind of disappear for short periods and then just comes back with a bang, and you sort of sat there wondering why, why you dropped him. But like I say, low, low, low weekly floor, but a, but, a, but a pretty high ceiling. And those interceptions will come. He's he's been so good at that over the course of his career. So it's just a question of when, really. Um, this this could be the week. You never know. But I'm I'm choosing him really here for that for that same weekly floor that I think his matchup um, against the Bengals really uh, really gives us. So let's let's see what happens. Again, I like you might be eating crow here, but we'll see. Um, so, have you got any other safeties that you uh, you want to mention in the uh, the quick hit section that you're keen on this week? Well, I'm interested to see if Justin Reed can do something this week. I mean, he may be stuck in a too high scenario where he just doesn't sniff within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage. But you know, the the Dolphins are also attacking downfield a lot, so they're you know you got Ty, Tyree Hill running around there catching the ball 20 yards down the field all the time. So he's got to tackle him. So I just, but Street also has opportunities to play the box and play blitz occasionally too. Uh, so they, I'm, I'm interested to see what what um, Kansas City brings. They might try to show the Dolphins as much as much um, met movement and and interchangeable pieces as the, as the Dolphins offense watches so the Chiefs defense. So I I, I just kind of have a, have a thought that maybe Reed will break out this week. A, a couple a couple of Cowboys on here, both J. Ron Kirsten. And Donovan Wilson have been lost from Fattis' standpoint, so in part because the Cowboys have been so effective at getting off the field, the DACA opportunities just really haven't been there. But uh, they're playing, um, um, well, crap, just all the Eagles. They're playing Eagles. So the Eagles give up more tackles to, to safeties than anybody by a, a healthy margin. 
Uh, so, um, and without any, we have just the one linebacker there, Demon Clark, and that's and you have nothing but safeties. The Cowboys are just playing dime all the time behind that. These are the two guys that play the most snaps. And unfortunately, they too are like Jamal Adams, where you can't guarantee that they'll play 100% of the workload. But um, both guys are out there. Both guys blitz. Both guys, um, J Rock Hurst, six foot four, 215 pounds. He gets his hand on the football when he's in coverage against tight ends. He'll be looking at Dallas Goddard this week. Uh, so those are a couple of guys that I think have opportunities to to be useful. Uh, Julian Blackman is like the safety four in football guys scoring. I know it's a little bit different in big three scoring, but um, it's a it, nice matchup again this week with Panthers. And then the last two guys I'd mentioned are the two Cardinals, Baker and Thompson. People probably have forgotten about them because they haven't been healthy a lot this year. But they're back at starting in the back end of the, of the Cardinals defense. They're going to be looking at a, a Browns defense, which also uh, feeds a lot of fantasy points too two safeties and again with the, their situation on offense they may they may find themselves out there a good bit uh, the Cleveland Browns run uh, more plays per game than any other team in the league so I like their opportunities to pop compile tackles yeah just a touch on the Donovan Wilson point I'm I'm desperate to see him get back to playing that kind of role that we saw him play last year not the role but the size of the role that we saw him play last year when he was such a good uh, a good fantasy player and like you say they just got so many options there um, that they can afford to, um, you know, sub guys in and out every now and again. Um, but yeah, I do like the matchup, and I like the uh, I like the rest of them as well. Topping the list for me is uh, is Kyle Hamilton. It was it was just nice to see him bounce back from that mini slump to put up double digit tackles against the the Cardinals. He's still some way short of where I hoped or where I thought he might be as we approached the midway point of the season, but. I kind of like his chances of putting uh, another good performance uh, against um, a team who we know are friendly for opposition safeties. So it's the Seahawks. Um, Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs combined for 16 tackles against Seattle last week. And although it's barely worth mentioning, given the inability to predict such things, Julian Love also chipped in with uh, an interception as well. So uh, there's that. I also want to mention um, Cam Taylor-Britt and, and Kenny Moore to give some corners some love. Uh, two corners who have been pretty productive over the course of the season so far, um, albeit in different ways. Um, both have great matchups this week against the Bills and the Panthers. So DBs, we we don't like um, the last the last segment of the show. Trip, let's finish strong. Um, give me a give me a DB who you don't like, who you hate, in fact, this week. Putting <laughs> words in your mouth. <laughs> Well, I, it chagrins me to hate Grant Delpit this week, but I've, I've got to do it. It's in part because of the, the situation with the with the Cardinals' offense. I mean, it's interesting to think about the fact, number of tackles that the, that the Ravens' safeties put up playing the Cardinals last week. I don't have any confidence that the Cardinals will be able to possess football this week bad playing with uh, with Clayton Toon, the fifth-round rookie, I think he is. Right, so uh, Delpit has been a guy who's been a bit of a disappointment. Jim, I keep hoping they'll turn it on. I think the usage has been good. Uh, you'd be playing the back end of a good defense. You, you'd hope that he would produce more big plays, and maybe those are coming. I mean, that may be, you know, the, the counterpoint to what I'm saying is here. Maybe Delpit has the opportunity to create some big plays against against this against this um, offense. The whole team is just remarkably devoid of talent. Uh, but um, uh, I, I just can't can't bring myself to start Grant Delpit this this week. And as in in leagues where I have this might be the first week where I just. Stop thinking of him as a set it and forget it type player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the the Cardinals have been pretty pretty good for opposition safeties so far, but like you say, that that change of quarterback could change everything. So um, I don't um, I don't disagree. Um, 
for me, um, I've got I've got two for you here. Um, it's uh, Demonte Casey um, and Keanu Neal. They both they both sneaked into the back end of my uh, my rankings this week. I think I've got one in the low sixties and one in the one in the seventies. Obviously, um, Minka is is not playing um, due to that hamstring injury, but but both of these guys face a Titans team who typically don't give up many many tackles to opposition safeties. Even after Richie Grant and Jesse Bates uh, did pretty well against them last week, you know Casey and Neil are not Grant and Bates. Um, and while they may luck into doing better than I anticipate, I wouldn't want to play either guy this week unless I was unless I was desperate. And I'm I'm rarely desperate at the DB position. Um, I there is this nagging doubt, you know, like you mentioned with Tune, that if um, there may be a change in terms of how friendly the Titans are um, for opposition safeties um, with uh, a new keep, a new York, new quarterback at the helm and Will Will Levis. So that's that's kind of like a nagging doubt in the back of my mind, but it's not enough of a doubt to change my mind. So I'm I'm fading Casey and, and Neil this week. And then finally, I, I got to choose the two um, Falcon safeties, which matched ago. Boy, they had a rough game against Tennessee, uh, but. Um, uh, they're playing uh, Minnesota. I, I, we talked a little bit earlier about my concerns. Well, the Vikings building to possess football, and so I'd be I'd be sitting both of those guys if I can help it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just to add add to that list, uh, there's there's a whole bunch of defensive backs I don't like this week. Um, really quickly, Devin Devin Witherspoon had an amazing start to his career. I hate to bet against him, but he's been quiet the last few weeks, and his matchup against the Ravens is is pretty rubbish. They they average about nine and a half tackles to. Um, the entirety of the opposition team's cornerbacks each week, and that, you know, if that trend continues, then he'll need a big play to to put up big numbers. And considering Jackson's only thrown three interceptions, I don't I don't fancy Witherspoon's chances. And then this is low hanging fruit, but Terrell Edmonds twenty five percent snap share in his first game for the Titans. That's that's nowhere near enough. Uh, and Brandon Jones, who I think you know I, I wanted to mention because some people may leave him in their lineups after last week, but. I saw Javon Holland uh, cleared concussion protocol just today, I think it was. So we, we know Jones has only been playing when either Deshaun Elliott or Holland have not been playing. So yeah, you can you can drop him uh, to to benches and probably drop him from your roster um, for now. Yeah, it's amazing how fungible the safety position can be, isn't it? I, I've been a team in the league with like with um, seventy roster spots, sixteen teams, all IDP, all defense. And Duran Harmon wasn't on anybody's roster and played Harmon at 100% of the snaps last week. So you can't tell me. There's just no such thing as a league that's too deep when there's not an option anyway. <laughs> oh, most certainly. It's the same. It's the same every week. And yeah, Blackman is, there's no better example in uh, in, in in terms of that than Julian Blackman. He was on nobody's radar to start the year. And, you know, he's he's playing in that sweet spot. Like you say, he's been way outperforming all of our predictions um so yeah that's you, you can stream these guys we we talk about it most weeks um we both do the same and you know you're a master of db's trip so if you're saying that then we should sit up and take notice right okay. <laughs> um so look i mean sadly that's that's that, that that about does it for this episode trip it feels like it's 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 flown by um thanks for coming on big fan of your work i've been looking for looking forward to having you on um and just to listen to your always very carefully considered uh, analysis uh, and takes on all things IDP. Speaking of your work, can you, can you please share with our audience where to find you and your content? Oh, sure. I'm, 
I'm at Dynasty Trip on the app formerly known as Twitter. And uh, over at footballguys.com, uh, writing and ranking. And you've got, like I mentioned, that weekly article, Reading the Defense. And I'll be digging into some some trade ramifications and, and seeing if we can't find any any diamonds in the rough behind it, too. So I appreciate you having me on. I really enjoyed speaking football with you. I always enjoy your work over at the IDP show. And, and I strongly recommend folks uh, subscribe to all the pods and the content over there on the Substack website that they all have it. So y'all do great, great work there. I'll, I'll reciprocate. I mean, go and follow and support Trip. You you won't be disappointed. I should remind everyone that I'm on uh, I'm on X at Jace Abbey, and my weekly rankings are available on our site at theidpshow.com. And for this week only, um, they're available to everyone. So whether you're a paid supporter or not, please take the time to drop by and check them out. In the meantime, we hope you enjoyed the show and I'll be back again next week. Bye. This was the IDP After Show. <laughs>